Hi, this is Becky. I'm in uh, California, Silicon Valley, and I want to thank Darcy for asking me to come and speak. Um, you know, every day is different for me. I'll start out telling you that I've been abstinent this um, coming around in April, uh, Easter. I'll, I started Easter about 18 years ago. And but I've been in program for a good 40, maybe two years. The first 24 years, um, I came into these rooms and um, I thought I was special and different and I didn't need to really come here. And uh, to get the numbers out of the way, so you kind of have a visual. Um, I topped out on the scale at 355 pounds, and I've been weighing 135 pounds um, for, let's say, a year. I, well, if I've been abstinent 18 years. It took me about a year and a half, a year and a half. Um, what it was like before, uh, I was born in a family of six girls, and boy, did I have resentments. I was the only food addict. That's that's how I resonate. I I um, thought about food, ate leftovers that my older sisters didn't eat, and I thought maybe I was adopted because I couldn't understand why there were six girls, but I was the only one weighing a hundred pounds at six years old. You know why? And, of course, the kids were mean to me at school, and they teased me, and it was very hurtful. I mean, you know, I've often heard people say, gee, I hope I come back in my next life as an alcoholic or a drug addict, because being wearing your disease, um, you can't get away with it, you know, that the fact that... Uh, if you're a drug or alcoholic, you can somewhat hide it unless you're a falling down um, alcoholic. But wearing your disease as far as being addicted to food, you couldn't hide. So therefore, there's a lot of discrimination. There's a lot of, uh, of your peers picking on you. So to speed things up, my mom did not want me to go to high school um, overweight. So at 13, I went on diet pills, and I went through high school at the weight I am now. And was that good or was it bad? What happened was now I'm a normal-sized person. I'm 5 feet 5, 135 pounds, and I'm normal. And so the, the low self-esteem is there really low self-esteem. It didn't matter that I was getting good-looking boyfriends. I, my, my self-esteem was in the toilet. So, you know, being, being thin and looking attractive, um, you, you, you can't get rid of the scars of what this disease does to you. You just can't get rid of them. You know, you carry them with you. Uh, the whispers of my aunts and uncles telling my father Stop giving her meatballs. Stop giving her more of this because I always wanted more food. I always snuck in the pantry 
when nobody was looking and I stole food constantly out of the refrigerator. Out of, my mother, having six girls, she used to get um, 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 her best friend worked at Seize Candy on the conveyor belt. And every deformed piece of candy was bagged in a big bag and given to my mother. Because don't you know, my mom's got six girls. So my mom hid it in her bedroom. And when my mom walked to the grocery store, because she she did not know how to drive, um, I would go in her bedroom and see how many I could steal you know, without her noticing, but she always noticed, she always noticed. There was one time she was hanging clothes out on, you can tell I come from an old-fashioned Italian family. You know, they used to have the washer, a ringer washing machines, and, and she'd wring the clothes and go hang them out to dry in the backyard. And she was having the ladies over for lunch, and I have to tell you, you know, she would make a big bowl of potato salad. And I said, oh, God, I wonder if I could sneak a couple bites while she's hanging clothes. Well, here I'm trying to sneak in a few bites and a big potato launches in my throat. It's stuck in my throat. And I thought, oh, my God, she's going to come. Beverly, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. For some reason, the phone said you are now muted. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why that happens occasionally. Anyhow, I thought I was going to be dead on the ground, and she was going to find, you know, her potato salad sitting on that counter, and and me with a, you know, and I thought, what a way to go. I remember going to uh, big smorgasbords because here, you know, we got a family of six. There's eight of us. And I, God, I love going to smorgasbord. Oh, my God, I loved it. I used to pile the food on. Oh, my God. The, the fried chicken, the this, the that, you know, I'd just pile it on. And everybody at the table would look at me. Like, you're not really going to eat all that. And it was like, leave me alone. I was always in bliss when I was eating. I was in heaven. But guess what? The doctors made so many house calls because back in those days, you know, they made house calls. And, uh, it, you know, the guy, the doctor would show up with his briefcase and, and he'd say, got to stop letting your daughter eat everything, especially when it was my birthday. I would want to eat the flowers off the cake, and the problem with that is it was too rich for my stomach, and I was forever getting sick. Oh, I'll never forget the time. You guys will probably laugh at this. The full of brush man came over the house and, you know, rang the doorbell, and I'm probably four or five, and he answers the door. I mean, my mom answers the door, and he asks me to stick my hand out. So I say, okay, I stick my hand out, and he squirts shaving cream in my hand. Well, you know where my brain goes. My brain goes, oh, shit, whipping cream. I like this guy. 
and I, I shoved it right in my mouth. And then they, he started laughing. My mother started laughing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible, terrible whipped cream. And it was horrible, horrible shaving cream. Um, you know, I went through high school at, a, at, at the weight I am now, normal weight. And then I went and got married. And I married, you know, I always had good-looking men. You know, always had good-looking men. And but they didn't know. They didn't know the secret I was hiding. You know, my my first husband before he became my husband, um, he would pick me up on a date, and he would say to me, "You know, I never see you eating, but I notice you're gaining weight. Are you hiding, you know, food under your mattress at, at the house?" And the thing was, of course, I was a closet eater. You know, I didn't I didn't want to have anybody watch me eat. So of course I hid I had food in my trunk. When I knew we were going out to dinner with a few people and I said to myself, um, you know, I can't make it and wait until dinner. You know, it's too long to wait. And so anyhow, I would carry food in my trunk and I would fill up on snacks and I would, you know, make sure that I had, um, you know, I, I didn't want to pig out in front of anybody. But if I went to a baby shower or a wedding shower or a Tupperware party and there was some dish that some woman made, and I thought, oh, my God, this is so delicious. I wanted the recipe. I wanted the recipe. I wanted to go home and have a party, just me and the food. I wanted to make the whole batch because I couldn't pick out at the party, but all I could think about was food. All I could think about was food morning, noon, and night. I tried so hard. I tried so hard. I never could make it to noon on a diet. So to speed things up, I married an alcoholic, nice-looking alcoholic. But when he drank, he became very, very violent. And I was his punching bag. And, you know, the more he hit me, the more I ate. When I showed up at 30 years old to my first OA meeting, I told everybody that I only ate because my husband beat me up. But they laughed. I mean, I was being introduced at the um, OA, and they said, does any newcomer have anything to say? And I said, well, yeah, I, I, I only eat because my husband beats me. And I said, why are they laughing? How mean, how horrible. They were laughing because you don't have to have a reason to eat. You don't have to have a reason. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm in a good mood, I eat. If I'm mad at you, boy, did I eat. If I'm celebrating, I eat. There wasn't any reason. I was just addicted to what the food did, did for me. You know, it just, you know, made me feel fantastic. But the problem was you have to chase the high with food. The difference between an alcoholic is he can reach his being drunk, but with a food addict, the thing is every seven seconds, I've got to put something else in my mouth. 
So I got to a point where I didn't like being really full and uncomfortable. I start tripping on the fact that I didn't like that feeling of being too full. So I started to eat things that were little. Oh, a bag of granola, a bag of mixed treats that had M&Ms, a bag of this, so that I could eat all day long. And that's what I did. I started to eat all day long. I just grazed all day long. I always had something in my mouth. Well, then I tried a diet that I knew Weight Watchers wasn't going to work. I tried other things, and I just could so I started resulting to drugs. I started to do speed, started to do crank, started to see that that was the thing that was really helping me was drugs. So I got into drugs, but then I found that I really, really, really liked smoking pot, and I wasn't willing to give up my pot. So then I said, you know what, get abstinent or put the food down, and if you're hungry from smoking pot, just eat some veggies in between. There was no way I could eat three weighted measured meals. I'm going to speed things up because I think I'm going to run out of time. What, what changed? What changed? I guess I grew up in, in OA. I, I finally um, started, as I got older, started to see um, that food was really an addiction and that I had an allergic reaction to, to, to many foods that uh, triggered me. Um, I didn't believe that before. Did not believe that not before. Um, I only eat weight and measured meals. That's all. I won't eat anything that hasn't been put on the scale. Um, this, is, this was a learning process. I was asked about 18 years ago before I started to get abstinent. A woman approached me from across the room that I knew in OA. She says, you know what? I'm going to have so many days and I want to start sponsoring you. And I thought, oh, I'm not ready to get sponsored. I'm not ready to put down the food. I'm not ready to do anything. But she was so nice and so sweet. And I had met some other sponsors that were very mean and dictated what I was going to do and what I wasn't going to do. And they were like drill sergeants. And I thought, well, gee, this woman. General Romano, five minutes remaining. Oh, thank you. Um, You know, so I started out crying a lot because I couldn't eat. Just like taking a bottle away from a baby. I used to show up at meetings when I was abstinent in the beginning with mascara all down my eyes. And I thought, oh, shit, I don't want to be abstinent. But I had just got married to my third, fourth, I don't know, husband. Sounds terrible. Um, But he said I was going to die because I'd gotten so big. He said, I love you, but you're going to die. You are You've gained 100 pounds with me, and I um, met you at 250, and I'll go to meetings with you. I'll go. I'll go sit. And I go, you're going to go to meetings with me? I started going, and I did let this lady sponsor me. And then she had told me about a big book study, and I started to do that. And she just, boy, she was there for my beck and call, you know. She 
I called her every day. I read the big book uh, with her, and um, she started lining up sponsors for me. Um, It was a touch and go for me in the first six, eight months. There was times when, you know, we all argue with our husbands. There was times when, you know, just because I was abstinent didn't mean that life was going to go smooth. I had my first dog die in my arms. Um, I had two sisters um, die in front of me. My mother died. My father died. It was like, oh, my God. Um, I started connecting to a higher power, a higher power of my own understanding. I started praying, but I started doing the action I knew that God was not going to come down and take the fork out of my hand. I knew that God wasn't going to do the grocery shopping for me. It was up to me to get all my green light foods, all my veggies, all my fruits, all my proteins that were safe for me to eat. It was my um, responsibility to show up at meetings. It was my responsibility to help others the way I was helped. And That's what pulled it all together. It helped me to understand changing the word from alcoholic to food addiction in in the big book. It helped me to understand Bill W. in the big book. It helped me understand I needed to do a fourth step. It helped me to understand that holding on to a resentment is going to kill me more than it's going to kill the person I'm resenting. I started to learn how to pray for someone else that I was resenting and that, that that the obsession with the resentment would be lifted and that I would feel empathy after, you know, it says in the big book, you pray for so many days for this person. It all started to work. I started to see that I could live a life one day at a time with God's help and my work and my action And I knew that nothing that God threw my way that I couldn't be abstinent. So this is what I've been doing for the last 18 years. It's been one day at a time. Is every day perfect? I may have neutrality around the food, um, but it wasn't like a a, a fairy came down and, and waved a magic wand. It took a lot of work and connecting and understanding that I had to do the work. Do I get hungry in between my meals? I sure do. I sure do get hungry. But nobody's ever died from one meal to the next. And I know that I'm not doing this alone. I know that all of you are trying and also doing this with me. And I know that I can jump on a Zoom meeting and I can be at home with the rest of us. And and that's what keeps me going. I mean, it, it, it's not that I'm not a food addict anymore. I, I still got the disease. And if I take a bite or a lick, the food's going to kick my ass. It has in the past. There's nothing going to change now. Thank you for listening to me. Um, don't do this alone. Be accountable. Be accountable to a sponsor. It's not easy in the beginning, but as you start sponsoring, you will see that the miracle of sponsoring is going to help you. 
Um, and, and I think I'll wrap it up. And I, I think there's always a topic at this meeting. And um, let, let's just share where are you right now? Just where are you right now in program? You know, where are you at? Are you on a, did you do all your steps? You know, do you all have a sponsor you work with? Where where are we all at? So just tell me where you're all at. Thank you for allowing me to share tonight. 